0: We're going to go to chapter 9 this morning stand with you, if you would for the reading of God's Word I know you just said but that's the good thing about going to an Assembly of God Church you get your exercise in for the day helps your heart rate helps you live longer gets rid of all your burdens and all your cares get those lungs working get that spirit flowing feel a little prayer wheel turning feel a little fire burning <laughs> have a little talk with Jesus makes it right Daniel chapter 10 okay let's, let's go to nine did I say Daniel yes. okay Daniel chapter nine <laughs> this is not as easy as I make it look verse 23 at the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth and I am come to show thee for thou Daniel art greatly beloved therefore understand the matter and consider the vision 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin than to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision, the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So this vision that he's seen is going to cover from the time of Daniel until the time of the millennial reign of Christ. Isn't that what it, that's what it just said, right? It said... It said to seal up everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of, and prophesy, and to anoint the most holy. So we're finishing the holy city, to finish the transgression, make an end of sins, reconciliation for iniquity, bring in righteousness, seal the vision of prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So this vision is from the time of Daniel until the time of the millennial reign of Christ. That's what time this is covering. As we continue. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and for the people of the Prince they shall come. That shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. Until the end of the war of desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall call the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and the overspreading of the abominations. He shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. And that is the most multi-syllable words I think I've ever read in my life. Wow. That is, that is amazing. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to preach your word, Father. And I pray that you would give me a heavenly mind right now, Father. God, that I would thank your thoughts, O God, and I would convey your words, O God. And this congregation would know, Almighty God, the spirit of prophecy, Lord God. For the spirit of the Lord is the spirit of prophecy. And I pray, Almighty God, that your Holy Spirit would give us the testimony of Jesus Christ today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to tell you this morning that the things that you see today are not always going to continue as they are. We are at the time of the coming of Jesus Christ and I'm planning on riding with him (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) when he comes back for me in the clouds of glory when the trumpet sounds in the moment in the twinkling of an eye this old boy is going to put on incorruption this mortal is going to put on immortality and I'm going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye and I'm going to rise from this earth and I'm going to meet him in the clouds and hallelujah I'll forever be with the Lord and I'm telling you that this time in which you see the world in which you Live is rapidly drawing to a close, and the coming of Jesus Christ is even at the door. My God, if you could look up and see what was going on in the heavenlies, I think you would see preparations being made. I think you're not, you're not at the time when the table's being set up for the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're at the time whenever they're preparing the food. You're at the time when they've already got all the place out there. The place matcher up. All the name tags are in place. Everything is ready on the heavenly side. And all we're waiting on is just a final countdown from the Father as he says, 10, 9, Eight. And when he gets to zero, he's gonna say, go ahead, Jesus, go and bring home your bride. Gabriel, sound the horn, son. It's time for the party to start. <clears throat> Woo! This world is not my home, my brother. I'm just passing through. I know I'm in it. I know that I'm living in it. I know that I'm making money and buying stuff. I know I'm buying and selling. I know I'm experiencing all the things, but I want to tell you something. This ain't where my where my treasures are laid up. This isn't where I end up. When I lay my head down, and I don't believe I will, I believe I'm going to hear a sound of a trumpet, and when that trumpet sounds, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here out of here. This isn't some well-devised fable, but this is the word of the Lord, and soon and very soon, you're going to see it become reality. Why do you think they're so concerned about aliens? You see me? I'm an alien. I know, I know you know I'm weird, but in addition to being weird, I am an alien. I am not of this world. And what kind of story are they going to spin when suddenly tens of thousands of millions of people suddenly disappear from the earth? Why do you think they're getting ready to try to find aliens? Because they're going to say, see, I told you this was an alien harvesting. These people have been harvested by aliens and they've left and there's aliens out there. We've been telling you for years, there's aliens. Why do you think it's come to the forefront? I'll tell you why it's come to the forefront. Because Jesus Christ is coming back and I'm Leaving this world behind. I don't belong to this world. I don't think like they think. I don't walk like they walk. I don't talk like they talk. I don't live like they live. I'm from another country. When I asked the Lord to come into my heart, I changed daddies. My birth certificate says I'm the son of Robert Thomas Briggs, Beaumont, Texas, and I am in the physical, but when I laid my sins down at the altar, (laughs) and I asked Jesus to forgive me, and he changed me, he took away that sinful nature, and now I became a son of God. I was the son of Robert Briggs, but today I stand before you, a son of the Most High God, looking to meet my daddy, Robert Briggs, on the other side. (laughs) woo my God, are you hearing me this morning? Soon and very soon, we're going to meet the king. Soon and very soon, the trumpet's going to sound, and I'm going to be caught away because I know my name's written in the last book of life. Is yours? Is your name written in the last book of life? He says if your name's not there, you're not going. I'm telling you right now. You don't get to go because you're an American. You don't get to go because you attend Oak Grove. You don't get to go because you can say amen in the right places. You don't get to go because you memorized enough scriptures that you got a gold star. You don't get to go for any reason other than Jesus Christ being the Lord of your life and your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. That's it. (laughs) My God, what a glorious day. What a glorious day. Oh, when this corruptible puts on incorruption, when I'm no longer troubled by this mind, oh, when the, when the lusts of this flesh no longer have a hold on me, oh, my God, when I get to change my life, when I get to meet him in the air, when I get to tell this old world goodbye, oh, my Lord, what an exciting day I'm looking forward to. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. So, this, this, this 70 weeks that we're talking about here, this 70 weeks gives the entire plan of God from the time of Daniel to the time of the end of the tribulation and, and, and the millennial reign of Christ. At the end of the tribulation, there's a moment that comes whenever Jesus, that, that we sing the song about, comes back on a white horse at the end of time, the end of the tribulation period. What I'm talking about is whenever I leave the earth to meet him in the cloud. Are you with me? Hang with me here. This is, I'm fixing to give you a little theology, so don't go to sleep. What I'm talking about is when I I leave this earth to meet Jesus in the clouds. That's called the rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. That's the rapture of the church. Then there's a seven year period on the earth called the tribulation period. And at the end of the tribulation period, are you still with me? Jesus returns on a white horse with all of his saints, Revelation chapter 19, and he comes back and he sets up the millennial reign of Christ, and for a thousand years, Jesus Christ will be in control of the world. Satan will be defeated, bound up with a big chain, put into the the pit for a thousand years, and Jesus will reign supreme. So what we're talking about here is the time of Daniel to the time of the end of the period called the tribulation period. Seventy weeks Now, the way you look at this is every day of the week counts as a year. So, if we say one week, how many years is that? Seven years. Seven days in a week, seven years in this prophecy. Are you with me? So, when it says seven weeks, that's seven times seven, and that is 49 years. If you study history, if you read, that's what it says right here. It says um, in verse 25, It says, the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem that was given by Cyrus, the Medo-Persian king released um, Ezra to go back and build the temple. He released him from the time of that until the Messiah, the priest, shall be seven weeks. Do you see that? Are are y'all looking? Seven weeks. How many years is that? 49. It took them 49 years from the time they got back to the time they dedicated the temple was 49 years. That completed that seven week period. Do you see that? That seven weeks is completed. 49 years to dedicate the temple. Once the temple was dedicated, what does it say next? It says, and three score and two weeks, the street shall be built again, the walls and troubles times, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Do you, are you with me? So after three score, you're going to sleep, aren't you? Okay. After three score and two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. So 62 times seven is 434. I already done the math. 434. Y'all are slow. Come on. 434. From the time they built the, this is just plain old history. You can go look at it if you want. It's plain history. From the time they finished, dedicated that temple until the time that Jesus was crucified, that period of time, guess how many years that was? 434 in the Bible amazing, in the Bible amazing, 49 years from the the going back to the dedication of the temple, 434 years from from the dedication of the temple until the crucifixion of Christ. And then Messiah was what? Cut off. He died. Time stopped. Why did time stop? Because Messiah was cut off. So, if you already have seven weeks to rebuild the wall and the temple, 434 weeks to get Jesus here and crucified, then that leaves you a seven week, I mean a one week period. That's 69 weeks. We have one week left in the 70 weeks. Are you with me? That one week is what we're looking for. Because the tribulation period is for one week. And the Bible tells me when that tribulation period starts. And if you read in verse 27, it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for how long? One week. So when the, when the, when the revised Roman Empire government signs a contract with the nation of Israel, that will be the first day of the tribulation. That begins the 2,520 days of the tribulation. Are you still with me? So has the tribulation started yet? Good, 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 good. All right, you're here, you're here. It hasn't started yet. It will start the day that the revised Roman Empire, the nations of the world in the European theater begin by signing a covenant with the nation of Israel. That will be day one of the 2,520 days that will make up the seven years of the tribulation. Are you with me? Before that begins, Jesus Christ is going to come. We are not going to be here through the tribulation. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We are not appointed under wrath. He said he was going to come as a thief in the night, but he's not going to come for me as a thief in the night because I'm looking for him. And unto him that looks for him the second time shall he appear without sin under glory. Hallelujah. I'm looking for him. He's going to come and take me away before this period starts. So how close are we to the tribulation period? How close are we? Well, you see the Soviet Union over there. They're rocking everybody's world with the Ukraine. But if you notice, the Soviet Union started out on the north, but where are they now? They've slid around to the east. Have you noticed that? The Bible in the book of Daniel, you can look it up, calls the Soviet Union a bear raised up on one side with three ribs in his mouth. Raised up on one side, three ribs in his mouth. The Soviet Union has began, begun, a, has been being a world power three times now. Once before 1917, the secondly by, by 1984, and now the third time they've risen again to be a world power. So this is their third rising. Are you with me? They will fall. They will fall. Because they are bare, risen up on one side. They always win in the West. They seldom win in the East. And what side of the Ukraine are they on? The East. They will not be successful. They will, in my opinion... I'm not a Bible prophecy teacher, but in my opinion, they will not be successful because they are a bear raised up on one side, and whenever they either go to a truce or a ceasefire or whatever that happens over there, it will probably be negotiated by Germany and England. The United States will probably not be a part of the negotiation that ends that war. You say, why do you say that? Go with me to the book of Revelation chapter 13. I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting. No, I'm playing. Revelation 13. I know you're learning. You're listening and you're learning, and I appreciate that. Revelation 13. We're going to spend just a minute here this morning because I want you to see that the end of this thing is, is even at the door, even close. Revelation 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now, the sand of the sea is normally a multitude of people. In Revelation, most of the time when it refers to sea, it's referring to a multitude of people as numerous as the sea. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his name, the heads, upon the heads, the names of blasphemy. This is what people have called the Revised Roman Empire. This is the, the, the government that's going to rise up over there in Europe. That's going to be, right now they call it the European Union. That's not, I don't think that's the final form, but it's real close to the final form. And that government over there is going to rise up. And when it rises up, it's going to be made up of seven heads and ten crowns. And upon the head, upon the horns, ten crowns. That's what it's going to be made up of. The, and a beast The beast which I saw was likened to what? A leopard. There's only one nation in the world whose symbol is a leopard. Germany. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. There's only one nation in the world that has a symbol of a bear. Russia. And his mouth was as the mouth of a lion. There's only one nation in the world who has a symbol of a lion. England. Germany. Russia. Russia and England come together in an alliance, and the, dry, the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority, so this last government is going to be made up of these nations, so Europe is going to be changed. The governments that are going to be in control is England, Germany, and they're going to bring Russia into this alliance. I don't know how much you watch world stuff, but England was part of the European Union until about five years ago. Do you remember that? They were all part of the European Union. And then they started this immigration thing where all these people started immigrating from these war-torn areas and they started going to all these nations in Europe and England started saying, you're sending too many over here. It's costing us too much money. We're not going to be able to be a part of this. And they said, if you're not going to be a part of it, you're going to have to quit. And they quit and their prime minister resigned and another guy came into power and he actually made the separation occur. So today you've got England as an independent country, you've got the European Union as an independent federation, and then you've got the Soviet Union over here. Why do you think England had to separate itself from the European Union? So it would be its own independent country. Otherwise this prophecy couldn't occur. Are you with me? God's is moving things around. God's in control of governments. He's in control of the powers. He's in control of principalities. He knows what he's doing. And whenever this government begins to formulate a peace treaty and a thing with the, with the, with the Russians and the Ukraines, and that begins to be settle down and begins to be settled, you're going to find these nations beginning to come together to form a union. And whenever this union begins to occur, it's going to set the scene for the last government of the world to begin to rise. And there's going to be some of them, I don't know what it is, I'm having a feeling what it is, but I don't know what it is, that's going to cause this nation to sign a covenant with the Jews to begin to rebuild their temple and begin temple worship. And you may say, what does that mean to me? Here's what it means to you, and here's why you're a part of it. Because it just so happens that in order to begin temple worship, are you still with me? Have I lost you? In order to begin temple worship, there has to be the water of purification. Now, if you go back to Leviticus and see that water of purification, it suddenly shows up out of the blue. If, you, if you're reading through there, all of a sudden there's this water of purification that shows up. I mean, it's, we're through with all the sacrifices, and all of a sudden this water shows up. And in order for you to begin temple worship, you've got to be able, the priest has to have this water of purification. Are you still with me? There's only one way for this water purification to be produced, and that is it has to be produced with the ashes of a perfect three-year-old red heifer. Are you still with me? So until they find the perfect red heifer, three years old, and the rabbis have certified it, they cannot begin temple worship. And you say, what in the world does that have to do with me? Well, about six months ago or so, because I read the Jerusalem Post every now and then, and about six months ago there was a great series of articles in the Jerusalem Post about the rabbis that had been working with a rancher in Texas for the last ten years to try to produce two or three perfect red heifers. Why are they trying to produce red heifers? Because the article said they needed the water of purification to start their temple worship again. What? And I also know that the rancher in Texas had just sent three one-year-old calves to Jerusalem to be inspected, and the the rabbi said that if these calves didn't exhibit any flaws in the next two years, they were going to slaughter them because they needed them to form the water of purification to begin temple worship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We could be two or three years from leaving this place. I'm not talking about in my grandchild's time. I'm talking about in my time. I hadn't purchased a grave yet because I don't plan on filling one. You say, well, yeah, but what about all this weird stuff that goes on during the tribulation period? Well, he tells us in Daniel, he says, everything's going to be beautiful for 1,260 days. It's going to be peaceful. I don't know what's going to happen to the Muslims. I don't know where they're going to come from because I'm telling you, in order to start that temple, they got to they get rid of something. There's a thing over there that's one of the three holiest cities in, in the Muslim world called the Dome of the Rock, and it's built upon the rock where Abraham sacrificed Isaac Mount Moriah, that dome is built on that rock and and right now they get mad if a Jew even walks across it and somehow they're going to have to have that thing gone out of the way so they can build their temple. Somehow that's going to have to be gone. Now I don't know how that's all going to work but I'm going to tell you this, it's going to work. It's going to work. At that temple that temple is going to be built over there. Those Jews are going to sign a covenant. They're going to start that temple worship. And for 1260 days, you're going to see nothing but joy and peace. And, and it's going to be the greatest world you've ever seen. But what does Daniel say in the middle of that thing's going to happen? Let me get back over here. Where am I, Daniel? There I am, chapter. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, two and a half, three and a half years, 1260 days in the midst of the week what's he going to do he's going to cause the oblation to cease he's going to stop the temple worship he's going to he's going to spread an abomination and make it desolate Revelation 13 are you are you there back there Revelation 13 verse 11 And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon. There's only one prophet in the Bible that's presented as a lamb. It's Jesus. This prophet is presented as a lamb but he's got some extra appendages. What's he got? Two horns. There's only one person I know of in the Bible that we think of with Horns. And it ain't Jesus. This man is driven by the devil. Bible scholars call him the false prophet. He comes as a prophet of the antichrist. He looks like a lamb, but he's built like a devil. And what does he do? He exercises all the power of the first beast and causes them which are in the earth to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed and does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven and on the earth in the sight of man. And he deceives on man on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make a what? An image to the beast which had the wound, by a sword and did live and he had power, listen to this, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and, and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now can you possibly figure out how anybody can make an image to somebody that is so lifelike that it can speak and process thoughts and answer questions? AI. AI. All of a sudden, we've got AI showing up. Now, all of a sudden, we understand how they can make a a robot, if you would, that's able to process questions. Did you know that in Japan, they actually are using AI? Now, they don't look like people, but do you know that in Japan, some of the doctors are using AI triage nurses? This little robot rolls into your room. It senses your pulse and takes your pulse. It takes your blood pressure. It has a sensor. It senses your temperature. It's able to add, answer and ask questions, and it's able to do its own triage and relay that information back to the doctor electronically. They're all. It's already here. There's no question how this beast can suddenly be set up in the middle of the temple. There's no question how he can be formed and, and you talk to him and, and you don't know that I'm not AI right now. I've just seen if you're listening. <laughs> I'm not AI. <laughs> this is how close we are to the rapture of the church. Because before this all comes to pass, Jesus is going to take his bride out of here. We could be as close as three years away from beginning temple worship again. We already have the answer of how the Antichrist could set up an image to himself and be able to see and speak and hear and process questions even with him not being there. The next part of that says that everybody is going to receive a mark that then they're not going to be able to buy and sell without that mark and I've already got one. It's just not on my right hand or on my forehead. When you go to Europe today, which we've been a couple of times. You know how you pay for stuff? Click. Five years ago when we went, it wasn't that way. It was a cash society. They said, oh no, our machines are broke. We used to pay cash for everything. Now when you go and you pay cash, they open the register and they, they're, they're not used to it anymore because everything's done with a card. And this card's touchless, right? I don't, I don't have to stick it in a machine. And the Bible says that the next the next mark you're going to receive is going to be a mark on the back of your right hand or your forehead, and the Bible says that three and a half years into that, people are going to start receiving that mark, and they won't be able to buy or sell without that mark, and the mark of the mark of the beast is the number of a man, and that number is six, six, six. I don't know if that's six rows of numbers. I don't think it's a literal 666, but it's probably six rows of numbers or or six, six digit code. I don't know what it is, but does anybody have trouble figuring out that maybe they could possibly do that in the United States to where you couldn't buy or sell unless you had a card? I'm trying to tell you how close we are to the coming of Jesus. I'm trying to tell you that if you don't know Christ and you think this world's all there is to it, you're in trouble you need to get it right with God because there's going to come a day very soon whenever we're out of here. There's going to come a day whenever you're going to regret that your name wasn't written in the land's book of life. And in 2 Thessalonians, it tells me that because you rejected it when you had the opportunity to receive it, that God himself will send a strong delusion that you who have already had the opportunity and rejected Christ, that you will believe a lie and you will be damned throughout eternity. That's what my Bible tells me in 2 Thessalonians. So I'm telling you this morning, I'm talking to you about life and death. Life and death is what I'm talking to you about today. Either eternal life in heaven or eternal death in hell. And it's closer than you think. It's closer than you think. People are going to think they can go into town and buy and sell. The Bible says that it's going to be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be just like it was in the days of Noah. They're going to they're going to be buying and selling and marrying and giving in marriage, thinking that everything they do doesn't matter, thinking that they can live their own lives, thinking that they're in control of everything, thinking that the government is the best thing that ever happened or worst thing that ever happened or whatever they want to think. They're going to think that's all that matters in life. They're going to be so consumed with trying to buy and sell and marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking and just living life. They're going to be so consumed with that that the Bible says that Jesus will come in an hour that you think not. And with the midnight hour, there's going to be a cry. And when that cry is made, if you don't know the Lord, you're going to be left. And it's closer than you think. It's closer than you think. And if you think, well, my mom and daddy were good Christian people and I go to church now, so I'm, I'm fine by that. I'm here to tell you, every man answers for himself. There is a time in your life whenever you're innocent, when you don't know the difference, and that's fine. You're covered there. That's, I don't think a baby's going to go to hell. I think all babies are going to go to heaven. They're innocent. They haven't committed sin. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. They're, that's, they're, they, won't, they, won't, they won't go to hell. They're going to go to heaven, but there comes a day in your life whenever you understand that there's a right and there's a wrong. You begin to understand that there's a heaven and there's a hell. You begin to understand that this is right and this is wrong and I shouldn't be doing what's wrong. There's a soul inside of you that begins to be convicted. The Bible says every man has a measure of faith. God gave every man enough measure of faith to know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he needs to change his life, that he needs to make the Lord the Lord of his life. And if you walk by that this morning and say, I don't believe you preacher. I don't think that's for me. I'm telling you, you're dread on some dangerous ground, my friend. You're treading on some dangerous ground. There's no do-over to that rapture. There's no do-over. You don't get a second chance. And if you think the United States somehow is going to save you, it's not going to save you. It's, It's not going to save you. All the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of the Antichrist. All the kingdoms of the world, I I don't know about the tribulation, how it's going to look over here, but I know this, that if your name's not written in the last book of life, you're going to go through a tribulation period, and the Bible says that the season is going to be so severe that if if God didn't cut it short, that all men would be destroyed. Revelation 16, and I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of wrath of God upon the earth. This is the last two weeks, some people believe. The last two weeks of that final 1260 days. And the first went out and poured his vial upon the earth. And there fell a a grievous sore upon the men who had the mark of the beast. And upon those who worshipped the beast. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. And it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul in the sea died. Every well. Every... Every catfish, every crappie, every trout, every bass, every redfish, every marlin, every blue tuna, every one of them are going to die and be washed on the shore. The third angel poured out his vows upon the river, and they became fountains of blood. And the heard the angel of the Lord say, You're righteous, O Lord, and who art in was and shall be, because thou hast judged them, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy." Blood to drink. Oh, I think I'll just go through the tribulation and give my head. Okay, you go ahead on, big boy. Show us how tough you are. It's a lot easier just to give your heart to the Lord. It's a lot better just to live for him. Oh, praise God. And I heard I heard another angel saying, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Listen to a change now. And the men were scorched with a great heat, and what did they do? They blasphemed the name of God. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and it was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and they blasphemed God. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the Euphrates River, and the water was dried up, and the kings of the east be prepared. And three unclean spirits like frogs came out. These are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth to the kings of the whole earth, and the Lord gathered them together for the battle on the great day of the Almighty. This is the battle of Armageddon. At the end of the seven-week period, God will gather all the kings of the earth, including China, the kings of the east, China, India, Nepal, those nations of the east where more than half of our population lives. Right? Four billion people. Those kings will be gathered together to meet with the Antichrist who has come from Europe, and they will come down upon the nation of Israel, and the Bible says that they will gather together in the valley of Jehoshaphat, and when they gather there, Jesus Christ will say, have you come to destroy my people? And then he will leave the portals of heaven, Revelation 19, if you want to go home and read it. He will leave the portals of heaven on a white horse, and I'm going to be riding with him, and he's going to destroy all the kings, and all the nations, and all the armies of the world to set up a millennial reign of Christ and I'll be riding with him when he comes back that day to set up the millennial reign of Christ where he will rule and reign this earth with a rod of iron for 1,000 years. But if your name's not written down in the Lamb Book of Life, you're not going. As a matter of fact, when you die, the Bible says that you go to a place called a holding place. Hades. What they call it in the Greek... Sheol its what they call it in the, in the Hebrew. The Bible tells us about it in the book of Luke. It's a place of pain and suffering. As a matter of fact, the rich man that found himself in hell asked Abraham, can you just send Lazarus to dip his finger in a bucket of water and just touch the tip of my tongue for I am tormented in these flames. If you die without Christ today, that's where you're going. That's where you're going. To be absent from the body, if you know Jesus, is to be present with the Lord because I'm redeemed. <laughs> when Jesus resurrected on the third day and went up into the holiest of holies and presented his blood and as a living sacrifice and he became the propitiation, the perfect sacrifice that satisfied all the legal requirements, when he became that, then I was redeemed. You say, how do you know you're redeemed? Because the power of the Holy Spirit now lives in me and it couldn't come upon an unredeemed people. Is this too much theology for you? It couldn't come upon an unredeemed people. So when Jesus Christ redeemed me, he sent back the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit is still alive today and it's on a redeemed people and I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been, I have been redeemed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But if you're not redeemed and Jesus and you die today, then you spend time in Gehenna And then at the end of the thousand years, if you continue reading there in Revelation chapter 20, you find out that God brings you forth out of that Gehenna, out of that, sorry, Hades. And you spend the rest of your eternity, if you can talk about spending eternity, in a place called Gehenna. The King James calls it a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Everyone under the sound of my voice today, you will spend eternity in one of two places. You'll either spend eternity in heaven with the Lord and throughout all the eternity live and reign with him or you're going to spend eternity in hell. And the worst thing about hell, it's, it's terrible with the fire, the torment, the pain, the suffering, all that stuff is terrible. But the worst thing about hell is in Revelations 20, it tells me that at that great white throne judgment, when God cast... Everyone who doesn't know him into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, the last thing he does is he casts hell itself and he casts death into that same place and that place is sealed up. So you will scream for without eternity with nobody caring. Nobody will ever remember you lived. Your mama won't remember you were ever here. You're going to spend an entire, an entire eternity screaming in pain and agony and torment and nobody will hear you and nobody will even care. God will wipe all tears away from mama's eyes and he will take away that thought of that boy or that girl or that husband or that spouse. It will be removed from their memory. They will not remember it anymore while you torment in agony in hell. How close are we to the coming of the Lord? Very close. I, the Bible says never estimate a date. It says any man that, that because even, the, the Bible says only God the Father knows the date. And he ain't telling. So I sure don't know when it is. But the Bible does say that I can look at a fig tree and know when it's about to blossom. Right? And I'm telling you, the fig tree is about to blossom. You don't have to be a smart man to see that this thing's winding up. You don't have to be a smart man to see that this thing's moving a different direction. And all I'm telling you this morning is if you're saved, then get ready, church. It's about to be shouting time and glory. (laughs) Woo! Praise God. It's about to be shouting time and glory. This isn't the time to get upset and, and angry over something. This is the time to rejoice and keep pressing forward because your, your days are drawing to a close. It's just a short period of time. Just a little while to stay here. Just a little while to late, wait. Just a little while to labor in the path that's always straight. Just a little more in sorrow in this low and sinful state. Then I'm going to meet him in the air <laughs> sweeping through those pearly gates. Hallelujah. If you don't know Jesus, this is a day of dread because as your world falls apart, Oh, it'll rise again, but it'll rise with you under a delusion, a damnation damnation sent from God, and today you have the opportunity to change your life, but in that day you won't. In that day you'll follow that antichrist. In that day you'll take the mark of the beast. In that day you'll curse those who don't. Stand with me this morning if you would. Kathy, would you come to the piano, please? I don't know if I did this justice this morning or not. I pray that I did. Soon and very soon, the countdown has commenced. Do you hear me? The countdown has commenced. We're not not waiting for some Bible prophecy to occur. We're not even waiting for some moment in technology to help us understand how it's all going to work. We can put it all together right now. It could happen today, and we would understand how it's all working. And you, everyone in this building, knows that it's possible. You all see it. You all know it. This isn't some magic thing where 50 years ago we said, well, we're not sure how they're going to number everybody. We know how they'll number everybody. We know how all this is going to work. We got this. We're just waiting for the final the moment when God the Father turns to God the Son and says bring your holy, bring your God, bride home and Jesus calls back the Holy Spirit and if you have the Holy Spirit living in your life through salvation, then you're going home. You're going home. This morning, is there anybody? Bow your heads with me for just a moment, would you? Thank you. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, If that trumpet was to sound right now, if it happened that fast, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when that trumpet sounds, boom, it's over. It's over. If you're not 100% sure right now that you would be a part of that bride that's leaving this earth, then I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now. Just lift your hand right there where you are. Anybody in this place? Say, I am not 100% sure that I would be that. You say, how do I know? I'll tell you how you know. Because right now, there's a tightening in your stomach. Right now, there's an uneasiness in your feeling. That's the faith that God's given you. You know right now if you're saved. If you're saved, there's peace, there's joy. There's an expectation of a great day. But if you're not saved right now, there's, there's there's troubling going on inside of you. There's a spirit that's stirring in there. There's something that says, I'm not sure about all this. If you've got that stirring in your heart, I would encourage you to lift your hand. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Got that stirring in your heart, that spirit that's moving around? You're not sure this morning if Jesus was to come? If that trumpet was to sound, you're just not sure? Thank you for that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning? you've got your hand lifted then I want you to pray this prayer with me right now would you Heavenly Father forgive me of my sins I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I want to be a new creature I want to live for you and I pray that you would change my life I receive Christ and I vow my days to be spent with him I turn from my old life, and I embrace a new life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, whether you got your hand lifted or not, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to come down I want you to meet me down here. I want to pray with you this morning. If you prayed that prayer, come on down. If you prayed that prayer this morning, come on down. I'm not going to hurt you. Come on down. You're good. Anybody else? If you prayed that prayer, come on down. face me this way. there you go if you prayed that prayer come on down thank you buddy come on down it took a lot of courage <laughs> face me this way there you go there you go there you go there you go amen amen God bless you thank you for coming down. Amen. I, need, I need a few people to come down here with me if you would if you guys would just face me just turn and face me please a couple of you guys come down here and good to see you sis amen amen ladies, come down? The Bible says this. Look at me here for just a second. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What you just did is you confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus. The rest of that says, believe in my heart that God raised Christ from the dead, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what you're believing. So this morning, what we're going to do is is I'm going to pray with you but I want you to pray. I want your ears to hear your mouth say, Lord God, I I receive you. I confess you're my Savior. I I want you to seal it with your own mouth because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we're going to pray over you, but I want you to pray yourself too to begin to say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I confess you, Lord God, that you're my Savior. I want you to just begin to pray as well. Okay? We're just going to complete the two-step process. The first was confess with your mouth. Now we're going to do the believe in your heart part, okay? All right, congregation, would you lift your hands this way and just begin to pray. Just begin to, whatever's in your Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. What is that? Oh, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Bless you, brother. The angels sing the story a sinner sin's forgiven. I am bound for heaven evermore to roam. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Praise God. The Bible says there's only one thing that causes a party in heaven. There's rejoicing in the presence of angels when someone receives Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So those of you that came down today, you started a party in heaven. <laughs> Glory to God. Be sure and shake hands with these that came down this morning. We'll be back here tonight at 6 o'clock. If you're on the board, I need to meet with you at 5 o'clock. But come back tonight expecting great things from the Lord. And let's just, let's just praise his name. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house today, God. Thank you, Lord God, for salvations. Thank you, Lord God, for your love. God, we pray now, oh God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Rest our bodies this afternoon and bring us back tonight at the appointed hour. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good afternoon.